Welcome to Our Soul, a podcast by Kelly Fox and Terry Williams from the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. Okay, so we have a date. We have a date for the Supreme Court hearing challenges to Roe versus Wade. December 1st of 2021, the justices of the Supreme Court will gather and hear arguments in what is likely to be the most seminal case challenging Roe, certainly, since its inception. It's fascinating to take a look at the breadth and depth of some of the early um, amici briefs that are coming in, the friend of the court briefs from all the the folks who are just wild and way out in left field, right? Um, Requests to not only uh, strike down Roe, but in the process to strike down Planned Parenthood versus Casey and strike mm-hmm. down the Obergefell decision. Yeah. Like, it's just, they're coming for everybody who doesn't look exactly like them and think like them and, mm-hmm. and worship in their, their particular narrow slice of the religious pie. Uh, it's, it's been made very clear that we live in a white cis hetero patriarchy. Um, <clears throat> if we didn't already know that before. That is saturated by fundagelical Christianity. That's my, that's yeah. my own word, like fundamentalist evangelical Christianity. You I like it together. Well, I don't like it, but I, I yeah, like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the people who think that it's their body, their choice when it comes to deciding to not wear masks and spread COVID everywhere, mm-hmm. but everybody else has to be forced to give birth according to their narrow interpretation of a really old book that they, you know, let a bunch of old white guys translate multiple and times until they got it the way they wanted it. And probably well, haven't even read it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. And if they did, I'm wondering the analysis on that. But that's a whole that's a whole other a whole thing. other podcast because we could we could have a whole conversation about <laughs> biblical interpretation because we both went to seminary. <laughs> oh my! And and we would love to anybody who's listening. If you're interested, like feel free to give us a call. Let yeah. us know. We'll we'll sit down, do Zoom all day long, talk biblical interpretation. Today, yes. however, today for this <laughs> podcast, we are having conversation about preparation for a post row America. At least for me, when I first started getting into repro and started learning more about um, the movement to protect abortion rights. Um, I didn't even realize that Roe was in danger. I don't know why I didn't realize it. I was, you know, blissfully ignorant. Um, But like, it's it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And um, we need to be preparing ourselves for that. And I think it's really important, especially now, for us to talk about, you know, what what does that look like? What are we doing? Yeah. And, and the, the realization that, oh my gosh, Roe is actually in danger. That's Mm -hmm. hitting like this wide swath of America that Mm -hmm. has just never really understood that before. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there are some, some fantastic, relatively progressive folk who have just not been awake in this moment. Mm-hmm. And now it's starting to become real. I mean, those of us who who work in repro and who are intimately aware of the the situation regarding Roe, 
have been on this for a while. Like we've not been sleeping on this, but a great number of people are new to the party. And mm-hmm. so what we have to realize is that, you know, this, this great legacy of, of Roe, this almost 50 year, um, you know, tradition in the court of actually recognizing a constitutional right to abortion is under active threat. And mm-hmm. we now have a Supreme Court majority that made the decision to let an abortion ban, the most restrictive abortion ban in the nation right now, continue in force in Texas. Mm -hmm. And for weeks now, uh, we have had a ban in Texas on abortion after the sixth week where many people know that they're pregnant yeah. at all. I don't know. I, I, I don't have periods, just FYI, full disclosure here. But for the people in my life who do have periods, um, I, I have heard pretty universally that, hey, the pandemic and everything else that has gone on in the last 18, 19 months mm-hmm. means that there is very, very little regular, quote unquote, mm-hmm. about reproductive health in general for most mm-hmm. people right now. The the idea that people would be able to know even mm-hmm. that they are pregnant at that point in time, especially in the middle of corporate trauma that we're enduring, it's laughable. You, you basically have an out and out ban on the right to have an abortion in Texas. And I remember even uh, last year, there being several queer people and um, women and femmes who were complaining about how the protests, being a part of the protests and the the um, tear gas that was sprayed on them affected their reproductive health and uh, made their periods irregular. And so, I mean, it feels like a continuous assault on the people who are out there um, in the streets and especially black and brown and queer and trans people um, who are out there being at the forefront of fighting for the rights for all of us. Now they can't have an abortion. I think it's, I mean, as as someone who has a um, more permanent birth control, um, I have an IUD. I think I've talked about that on this podcast before. Um, But like, uh, I don't have a period at all. So if, you know, um, my birth control is like 99 point something percent, I think something like that, um, effective. But if I were to somehow get pregnant and it for some reason not be an ectopic pregnancy, like I wouldn't know because I just don't have a period. And for some people, um, they might have, you know, other reasons for not having a a period and just have no idea that they're pregnant. And so we're, we're currently seeing what the beginnings of post row America looks like. And I, you know, I, we use that phrase of post row America, right? And it sounds all apocalyptic. But for me, when I hear that phrase, I, I always kind of chuckle in the back of my mind, right? Because like, okay, so a large portion of the country, frankly, has been post row already. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen the constant assault over these these last decades against you know a person's right to choose an abortion so much so that i know people in my community in in rural appalachia have not had really free access to abortion without a great deal of planning and a great deal of external support mm-hmm. for decades i i like to to quote the numbers around abortion clinics in ohio right mm-hmm. um in terms of abortion sites Right now in the state of Ohio, 
we are down to less than 10, right? Um, You can check out abortionislegalinohio.com. Fantastic resource. Gives you Mm -hmm. all of the current places where you can receive abortion care in the state. We have fewer than 10 abortion clinics in the state of Ohio today. Three, four, Mm -hmm. five, six. We have seven um, as listed on abortionislegalinohio.com. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that there are seven to serve, how many people live in Ohio? 11.6 million. So seven abortion clinics for, and then, you know, uh, let's just say half of those are people who, who could just, just, I'm literally just throwing a random number, but let's say half of those people, um, could have the potential to need an abortion that's like over 5 million people um who have to go to seven different abortion clinics um and then and then uh you know you're you're talking about how we're essentially living in a post-pro america i wrote this nice uh, blog post and i i talked a little bit about that about like um how for especially um undocumented people um access to abortion is really difficult. Um, I specifically talked about in uh, Rio Grande, there are people who, you know, need abortion access and it's just not there. And we're not even including the fact that abortions can be um, expensive to get. Not only is um, abortion important, um, but it needs to be accessible. And um, if an abortion is going to cost you, you know, a, a couple of days of work, childcare, travel, and then just on top of that, the cost of the abortion, um, for a lot of people, that's just not accessible. Totally. I, I, I just want to throw out there. So you, you scared me for a minute because I thought, I thought there were eight. Did we lose one? So I, I had to count it back up. We technically have eight eight abortion clinics in Ohio. The struggle though is some of them are medication only clinics and some of them are clinics that provide surgical abortion. And for me, I think, I think this illustrates like part of our struggle because even those of us who work in repro are like, I don't know how many are left right now. Like we just, we've seen so many, like we had a lot a long while ago, and now we're down to very few. How many abortion clinics were there in the state of Ohio in 1982? Is this like a like a trivia question? Yeah, yeah. Right. How how many how many abortion clinics were in the state of Ohio in 1982? You know that there are eight right now. Yes, eight. Um, so it's more than eight. I'll get I'll give you that. But 1982, how many abortion clinics were in the state of Ohio? Um, I'm gonna say 20. The number is 55. Oh my God. I was going to say 30 at first, but I thought that was too high. 55 abortion clinics in the state of Ohio. I mean, that's far more. 1982. Now you, you start, anybody who's an Ohio native, um, you start naming off cities in Ohio. You're like, well, what cities in Ohio have an abortion clinic? Well, Right now, you know, you have quite a few in the northeast portion of the state. You know, there's, um, uh, you know, Cuyahoga Falls, there's Cleveland, there's Akron. You've got, of course, Toledo, our fantastic friends at Capital Care. You've got two in Columbus. You have uh, a clinic down in Cincinnati. And then you have Dayton, right? 
Um, so split between those, those sites are these eight clinics. Think about adding in enough to get you to 55 centers. Where would you put them all? I mean, I, there, there are a lot of cities and towns in Ohio, but can you think of 55 towns in Ohio that you would think, ah, yes, they would have an abortion clinic. But lo and behold, in 1982, we had 55 abortion clinics in the state. Now, you know, quite a lot of them were likely, you know, clustered around cities and metropolitan areas. There were duplicates in places. But still, the idea is we went from 55 to eight. And that statistic technically is 39 years. So we have lost more than one abortion clinic a year in the state of Ohio on average from 1982 to now, right? So when we talk about access and we talk about a quote unquote post-row America, which is the language that gets bandied around all the time, we've really been like gradually easing into that apocalypse for Mm -hmm. reproductive care. Because when you take a look at, at some parts of our state, when you, you take a look at Chillicothe, Ohio, right? I mean, we're an hour and a half from the nearest clinic in Columbus. We're two hours from the nearest clinic in Cincinnati. And I don't know if y'all know this or not, but if you ain't got no money and you ain't got no car, you ain't going no hour and a half nowhere Mm-mm. to get a procedure that you have to come back again for multiple times and possibly stay the night and like all kinds of other restrictions that have been put on abortion access throughout our state by our state legislators. Imagine if some other procedure had as much restrictions as abortion access. Like um, I I know people often uh, compare, uh, you know, getting like a, a tooth removed that like needs to, you know, getting uh, their wisdom teeth removed or something like that. Like, I, I can't imagine like the, the day that you have like a necessary thing that needs to be done and there are like X, Y, and Z for no reason restrictions that you have to go through just to get something that's necessary for you done. Or just, uh, I think about, uh, I'm coming up on the, well, actually I've passed the third year anniversary of me, uh, getting my ACL reconstructed. Technically that was an elective surgery, so I didn't need it, but I really wanted it, you know? Um, and um, imagine having those kinds of restrictions where there's only eight places in the whole state that I could go to, to get my ACL reconstructed. Um, and if I didn't do it within a certain amount of time, that's, that's I would be just stuck with this, uh, thing that I do not want. Uh, I just like, can't imagine some other, um, procedure being restricted in such a way and again this like just points to the white cis hetero patriarchy that we are living in um and the fact that it is essentially like a post-row america right and and we think about even like the diversity of types of abortions right Mm -hmm. because when people say abortion so often everybody thinks like immediately mine goes to surgical abortion when the reality is in the state of Ohio, the roughly 20,000 abortions that happen in the state of Ohio every single year, the majority of those are medication abortion and medication abortion involves the, the, you know, giving of pills, two different types of pills, mifepristone, misoprostol, 
Um, that's the, the typical regimen, the World Health Organization approved um, protocol for ending a pregnancy. And the restrictions that are placed on that are so ridiculous that people have to show up in person to receive this, this you know, pill and then they're sent home with the additional pills. They have to be in person. It cannot be via telemedicine. It can't. And, and the thing that frustrates me out of that process, um, just FYI, if you're interested in more on self-managed abortion, we have this fantastic trainer uh, session through Ohio RCRC called Self-Managed Abortion in Good Faith. We do at least one every single month and we will do one for you and your organization. Just give us a call. We'll we'll uh, send you the um, link. I think the uh, request page is actually up on our website, ohioRCRC.org. But again, Self-Managed Abortion in Good Faith, lots of information about abortion via abortion pills and what you and your faith community need to know about making sure everybody's informed about those options. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I digress. For me, as, as a, a white male in our society, I look at the kind of hoops that people have to go through, patients have to go through to get these pills, physically going to a site many hours away, often, um, subjecting uh, themselves to all kinds of unnecessary examination and additional, you know, uh, medical process that has no basis in medical need, but has a lot of basis in the political injection of our state legislature into their body, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go home. For me, as a as a white male, I cannot go on the internet. I cannot go on Facebook. I cannot go on Twitter. I cannot go on Instagram without being bombarded with advertisements that remind me how easy it is to get ridiculously unnecessary stuff, at least from my perspective, sent to me in my home. I can get pills to help my hair growth. I can get pills to help my sex life. Y'all know what I'm talking about right now, that little blue pill, right? (laughs) Or like, you know, whatever the generic is. I get those advertisements all the time because I'm a man of a certain age, right? And the idea that I could sit at home and never talk directly to a doctor, you know, you just got to take pictures of the top of your head or whatever, you know, they, the, the programs, you know, they advertise how easy it is. Don't have to talk to anybody. The new, uh, what is it? Roman is the new thing for uh, anything related to erectile dysfunction. So like anything to fix up the men in the room, right? Uh-huh. You don't have to actually talk to anybody. You can text that doctor. You can communicate whatever you need to. And Man. they show up. Not only do they show up at your door, they tell you they show up discreetly. So nobody knows about your particular health issue. Imagine huh. if men like had it. to go to one place or, or rather eight places in the whole state. And there were just eight places in the whole state, eight buildings in the whole state where people got to go to get pills. There, I said it, folks. I mean, that's probably not appropriate for the radio. I'm just saying, but like, You're we might, we time. might, yeah, we might have to bleep that out. So if you just heard me bleep, it was an inappropriate word. And if you heard me say it, it means we talked to legal folks and they said it was okay to say on the radio. So like, imagine if men had to go to one of eight buildings in the state and publicly walk through protesters to access that pill that I can't say the brand name of, but you all know what it is, that little blue pill. Just imagine what kind of a dystopia that would be for all kinds of folk. Cause you know, there are lots of folk 
up in uh-huh. the legislature of the Ohio General Assembly who are using that blue pill. Mm-hmm. And yet people who want an abortion have to go through the gauntlet in this state and have had to do that now for decades in many cases. Mm-hmm. It's already uh, a breakdown of Roe because the mm-hmm. intention behind Roe was that that choice, that choice to not carry a pregnancy to term is a choice that should be made by the person whose body it is that all this is involving, and it should be rooted in privacy and the right to privacy. And somehow, some way we have gone from that to the point that now that might not be a right at all here in a few months, a few weeks, it's going to be heard a few months. It might radically change. So like, what does the world look like in the state of Ohio? If we have a complete dismantling of Roe, not something we haven't been thinking of, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been planning this, right? I mean, um, so for those of you who, well, we've had multiple conversations with who, and I know that who would continue on um who is women have options ohio Ohio. our statewide abortion fund go give money to them right now yes their link every time you hear the word who you need to be donating to who (laughs) who Um, who who anyway um so the work of who would continue to go on um because in in all likelihood if uh if roe falls then that just means that it would go to the states so there would be other states like uh new york california those are a couple i know for sure off the top of my head um would have access to abortion and uh the job of abortion funds would have to or would be it would just get immensely more difficult um and then there would be lots of people who would just have to carry children to term that they uh, have already known that they do not um, wish to have um, and more property. <laughs> that's that's what happens in, in a post-row America is that our abortion funds get overwhelmed. So everyone has to donate to them and they, everyone should donate to them anyway, especially who in the situations where, you know, people are not aware of abortion funds or who um, are not able to or do not feel who feel like they don't have the choice anymore they will be left to have a forced birth i i keep thinking about while we're having this conversation you talk about how um as a as a white man you can get uh medication for these ailments that you have decided on your own is an ailment you don't need to have a doctor to do that um And I'm just thinking about how I, as a black femme, have had to be so particular about like who my doctors are so that they believe me when I say that I need something. And it's already at this point so difficult to, you know, feel like I'm going to be heard when I go to the doctor's office that, you know, a post, a post-Row America, I, knowing that um, my experience is not just my own in in that um, issue of not feeling heard by doctors. Um, I, I just feel for the people who won't feel like they have that choice um, because I know, I know that there is, you know, access out there in um, the abortion funds. And of course, if a person decides to have a self-managed abortion, um, that is an option for them, but it's, it's so hard. Uh, you know, 
choice, the majority of choice is feeling like you have one. And if you don't feel like you have one, it's hard to use your right to choose. The system is set up to be accessible to mm-hmm. men, mm-hmm. to wealthy men to wealthy white men in particular Mm. and the system is set up to be adversarial at every step of the way to people who are not men to people who are not white to people who Mm. are not wealthy we've been dealing with this already and i i find such such profound joy in helping people who are new to this this concern you know new to the worry about roe I find profound joy in in helping to remind them that, you know what, you've just gotten to the party, but that doesn't mean the party just got started. People have been working on the eventuality and the preparations for what's coming for a long while. You do not have to reinvent the wheel. You do not have to start a new organization. You do not have to everybody get on and have a brand new march and, and go, you know, let people know how you feel. You don't have to do that. You can actually plug into what's already being done right now. Um, lots of people are gearing up for, you know, marches that are coming into our community, you know, multiple marches getting getting scheduled, um, you know, some with more national notoriety than others. But ultimately, like the the campaign that, that we're uh, taking a look at here for the next couple of weeks is the March and campaign, Right. We don't just want to see people march, right? Like marching is all well and good, but you've got to march and do some other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Because just marching alone is not going to get us to where we need to go as a community, right? When when you start talking about march and, we, we want people to take a pledge to march and do things like donate to local abortion funds. We want you to march and host, you know, a virtual or an outdoor gathering to talk about abortion and raise funds for patients. We want you to march and host a bake sale or a wine tasting or something to raise money for abortion patients. We want you to march and keep learning and growing and sharing and Mm -hmm. keep fighting fighting for abortion liberation, because that means we got to change our culture and the ways we talk about abortion. And that ain't going to happen if we just have a march and go home. So we got to have a march and do all that stuff, do all that work. Yeah. If you just march on, you know, march on this one day and yeah, you may be a part of a demonstration and you may, you know, help uh, feel like you did something for that day, but that doesn't change the fact that like you know there have been other marches throughout this fight for abortion access and it doesn't end in one day i think it's really important to emphasize that like you don't have to recreate the wheel yourself um there are lots of organizers and different organizations that would love to help you uh learn how where your place is in in the movement and um i mean even even we we are i i would love to be able to tell people about ways that they can advocate for abortion especially from a religious perspective you don't have to go out and try to start that by yourself we've been we've been doing this we have some groundwork and we can help you get started rather than you having to build the foundation yourself. Just join in. If we're building a house, we've already started the foundation. We already got the studs up. Just come in and help us put siding and all that other stuff in. 
Amen. You you gotta you gotta have faith in the work that's already been done, and you gotta have faith that you can plug in to that work and make a meaningful difference. Especially that since that work is majority is most of the time done by marginalized people, the people who are most affected, the people who have known that this is an issue for a long, long time. Those are the people who are leading this already. And for those who are just now realizing it, that it affects them, it's time to just join the club and um, help us all move forward. Amen. Amen. So uh, we've gotten to the end of our time, but it's so good to be with all of you. My name is the Reverend Terry Williams. Uh, my wonderful co-host Kelly Fox and I, <laughs> we really enjoy being with you and we hope that you will check us out at ohiorcrc.org. We will see you next time. Blessings, Ooh. folks. <laughs>